This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. What is Element? It's a delicious, sugar-free, electrolyte drink mix. I tried this recently after hearing about it on another podcast, and since then, I've stocked up on boxes and boxes of this, and usually use it one to two times per day. Element is a great alternative to other commercial recovery and performance drinks. As a coach or an athlete, you will not find a better product that focuses on the essential electrolytes your body needs during competition. Element has become a staple in my own training and something we are excited to offer our coaches and student athletes as well. Element is used by military special forces teams, Team USA Weightlifting, at least five NFL teams, and more than half the NBA. You can try it risk-free. If you don't like it, Element will give you your money back, no questions asked. They have extremely low return rates. Element came up with a very special offer for you as a listener to this podcast. For a limited time, you can claim a free Element sample pack. You only cover the cost of shipping. For U.S. customers, this means that you can receive an eight-count sample pack for only $5. Simply go to drinkelement.com slash justinclimo. That's drinklmnt.com slash justinclimo to claim your free eight-count sample pack. Drinkelement.com slash justinclimo. Cypress Grove Studios is supported by the Canyon Properties Group, the number one real estate team in Pebble Beach and Carmel, California. They specialize in ocean and golf front properties and have been leading the industry for over 35 years. If you've ever played golf in Pebble Beach or taken a run along Carmel Beach, you've definitely seen their listings. As their team has grown, they've expanded into dramatic ocean view homes in the Carmel Highlands, and most recently into the Santa Lucia Preserve, which encompasses about 10,000 acres with just 300 home sites, a Tom Fazio golf course, and over 100 miles of private trails. If you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full-time, be sure to reach out to Jess Canyon. I've known Jess for several years and have learned how complicated and diverse properties are in this area. She'll help you dial in the search to find what you're looking for, and like every great team, they focus on the details, execute at every step, and work as a group to provide the best value for each of their clients. For more information about the team and to check out their current listings, please visit www.canningproperties.com slash ysports. Once again, that's www.canningproperties.com slash ysports. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to Y Sports, a podcast designed to highlight the value of athletics as a foundation for any career path. Through interviews with professionals across industries, we discuss the impact of being part of a team, competition, learning to fail, and how those lessons transcend athletics into the workplace. Join us as we explore the importance of sports as professional development while our guests share what they have learned throughout their career. I'm your host, Justin Clarno. Welcome back to Why Sports. We're joined this morning by Dan Kennedy, ex-Major League Soccer player and current real estate investor. Dan, thanks for coming on the pod today. Super excited to talk with you. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you having me on. All right, let's dive in. So real estate investing. How would you say that your background as an athlete and a professional athlete, for that matter, and collegiate athlete, obviously, to get to that point, has helped lay the groundwork for your 
professional journey and has led to you being involved in the space you're in now? Justin, you might not get the microphone back with that loaded question. <laughs> Try to make um, my job easy. Tee it up and let you <laughs> knock it out of the park. Yeah, I've used sports as a platform my entire life to lean on education. So if you think about my soccer career, soccer helped me get into a UC school that I would have never have been able to get into without soccer. I, I was a decent student. I was not a great student. And then soccer paid for my education. And then I had the unique opportunity to go and play professional sports I thought it was going to be a couple of years. It turned into 12. Through that entire time, I was always interested in learning how the game worked off the field. And so I've had this interesting experience of on-field success blended with off-field learning environment. And so how does the front offices and major league soccer teams work? How does the league function? How does the players association negotiate with the league for rights and how can we improve those rights? And so this was the level and layers that I was getting more and more engaged on throughout my career. I knew that I didn't want to go directly into uh, sports business out of playing. That led me to getting my business degree at U USC. And now you ask me, oh, how does all of this translate into investing in real estate, which is my full-time job today? There's no shortcut to success. In my experience, what I've seen from the most elite athletes that I've played with or the most successful business folks that I have had the pleasure of working with, nobody's taking shortcuts. There's a certain discipline that is required to be successful. And our company is named Driven Capital Partners, Driven. And it's who my partner and I are. We're highly motivated guys that are willing to slug through the mud and work extremely hard to make up for any inefficiencies or inabilities that we have. And as an athlete, that was always my mindset is I'm six foot, 210 pounds, and I was a goalkeeper in Major League Soccer for 12 years. I was undersized height-wise. I was oversized weight-wise. I could, was never the guy that could jump the highest or sprint the fastest, but I could learn the game and I could lead people. And so th this world of what did sport do for me to prepare me for the world that I'm trying to succeed in today? Yeah, we talked about discipline, but leadership is probably where I gained the most experience and gained a little bit of an advantage. I love leading people. And I love working within teams. It went from learning how to lead a bunch of really big, strong personalities in a locker room now to leading a team that is now working under Driven Capital Partners, but also the team of the business world. I have to rely on brokers, property managers, general contractors, investors. These conversations are happening every day. And there's some sense of leadership that I need to be able to provide them in order to get a job done or to get somebody to believe in a project that we believe in so much that we're going to go and invest a bunch of money into it. So this world of sport and business is almost woven so closely together. And it's really the reason why I put my young kids in sports is because I want them to experience failure. I want them to experience success. And I want them to experience what it feels like, Justin, to work hard and get the reward of working hard. And I love the topic of your podcast because as you can tell, I'm passionate about it, but I, I could go on and on on how this 
intersection of life for me has all been already explained through my sporting experience and like dealing with being hard-headed enough to deal with failure because we're all going to fail like that that is the nature of life is learning how to fail and we want to fail we want to fail quickly and learn fast and that's every project we do failure happens what we need to make sure today is our failure isn't at the expense of investors returns our failure is oh this costs too much but we made up for it over here this took too long the next project we can shorten the timeline and on the sporting field i was a goalkeeper so i gave up a bunch of goals that was my job is don't give up a bunch of goals i gave up a bunch of goals and it was about learning how to never give up the same goal twice. That was my mindset. Like I screwed up all the time. I made bad decisions all the time, but my progress was, okay, if I gave up that goal, how do I make sure I never give up that same goal again? And that's progress. So love the topic. You asked me a loaded question and we could probably peel the onion on a bunch of different verticals right now, but I'm going to let you lead it. Well, that's great. And thanks for being here today. That about covers everything I had to ask. So, uh, Great job. <laughs> so, Quick and dirty. Yeah. It um the analogy of sport that you hit on is really what comes out of a lot of these. And so I want to check in on a few, but discipline, leadership, failure, success, hard work. I talk about as the athletic director here that sports are a vehicle for us to teach leadership and followership, to learn to be part of something bigger than yourself. And the discipline, the hard work, the sweat equity that goes into being average, being good, being elite are all things that are going to serve you later in life. And as you mentioned, I went back, got my MBA. I'm using that. And the lessons I learned in sports, I use every single day, especially the leadership piece. So let's talk about that for a second. How would you say that your experience as an athlete playing for different coaches, maybe even now giving back right to your own kids teams and whatnot, how would you say that those lessons have translated into your leadership skill set? Are there tools that you can specifically point to and say, hey, I learned this from this person. Here's how I use it now. And here's what I can offer to people vicariously who maybe haven't had the same experience you have. Yeah. So I think I had about 14 different professional coaches. Okay. Like I played 12 years and I had 14 different coaches. This is the brutal reality of professional sports and how competitive it is at the top level. My kids are at the stage where all I care about is them having a positive experience. The sports, like life, happens in phases and development happens in phases. And so I have a three and a half and a five and a half year old. They're at the exploratory stage right now. What we want to do with them is make them want to come back to the field, to the game. And we want them to learn. It's like the wolf pack. We want them to learn in an environment that they are now learning from their friends. They are learning by simply associating themselves with the experiences of their classmates. Oh, I saw little Billy scored a goal and everybody celebrated. That must be awesome. I saw little Billy trip over fall and freak out. He must be hurt. Like these are the, the basic principles. When I take it forward and I think about my experiences with all the different coaches that I had, man, I had some guys that treated us like shit like literally but i was a guy that was motivated by that okay i'll go prove him wrong but i I saw the impact that it had on some of my teammates that they folded up shock some of the most talented guys they got nothing out of and what i took away from it was what is my leadership style my leadership style is management like i want to get 
the most out of everybody. So Justin, I'm going to have a language with you that's going to be different than Tommy. I need to have the social intelligence to go and be able to understand what my team needs. And some days we need motivation, right? So I'm going to have to go out and, and motivate you. Some days we need direction. We're, we all want to go in a different direction. I'm going to be the guy that's going to decide where we're going and try to bring everybody on board. So the, the interesting thing here for me and leadership, I was on the executive board, big man in the background. I was on the executive board of the Players Association and got to lead a couple different collective bargaining agreements. This is the major league soccer players versus the owners, right? And these are high stakes negotiations. We're fighting for free agency. We're fighting for all the biggest topics in sports. I was never the smartest guy in that room. I was never the guy that had all of the answers, but I was the guy that could go and get a group to get on the same page and make a decision collectively. And that's largely what one of my fears as I went from professional athlete, 34 years old to retiring and going into the business world. I had the beautiful experience of going to business school at USC in which I was thrown into a group of 74 other classmates that were all smarter than me. The majority of them were younger than me. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, I do not have the technical skill sets that these kids have. They are all at Ernst & Young and they're working for big private equity shops. The best and the brightest are trying to get into this business school in Los Angeles and I certainly told a unique story, but when I get there, I'm like, man, I don't excel. How do you open a computer? I did not have these technical skill sets, but what I learned from myself was because of my experiences with teams throughout my entire life, the one thing I could do was lead a team. And I wasn't good at any one particular thing other than saying, okay, Andrew, you're clearly our idea marketing guy. Let's get you up on a whiteboard and get you just I don't care if your ideas are good or bad. I just want your ideas. Like we can go and filter through what is actually a viable idea. We don't need you to decide what a viable idea is, but you're the idea guy, right? And then Lily, she could put together a presentation like nobody else. And she could do it quickly and efficiently. So it's okay. Andrew, get your ideas up on the board. Let us analyze, work on this, massage this. And then Lily, you go put together the presentation and then let's find a way to get this in front of the class that feels really good. And this is the nature of a goalkeeper. If you don't know soccer, there's a bit of quarterbacking to it. And so organizing your defense, putting people in good positions to succeed. And as I'm like throwing this up to you, the, the skill sets that you acquire working in sports, certainly in team sports, apply very nicely when you have to go into a business environment and solve some problems. And the one thing that I always, I guess, as I matured, I think of my younger self as a professional athlete. And I think of myself when I was 34, at 34 years old, it was much easier for me just to be honest with everybody in the room because I was secure with myself, my beliefs, and more often than not, I actually really felt like I knew what right and wrong was like, okay, guys, this one's completely on me. And 
we all make mistakes. I, and my younger self was like insecure about the mistake that I made. So I was like, well, Billy should have stepped up and then we wouldn't have had this problem. So this is starting to fall into this accountability bucket. And when you think about good leaders, good leaders are the ones that can say, hey, guys, this is on me. I made the mistake here, but this is what we're going to do to solve it. And that mistake may be irreversible right? In the sports world, you make a mistake, you lose a game. It, that's an irreversible mistake. But what we can do is say, hey, we're going to do this, that, and in the future, we're not going to make that same error. So the high stakes, the, the sports spotlight put on people is you work all week to have this definitive success date, and that's the day of the game. And well, then you I get think, to get evaluated. Yeah. Well, and what you said is it's prepping you. And you're having these rapid failures and repetitions that you're not going to get in the business world per se, because the project you're working on might take six months to come to fruition. Two years, exactly. Yeah, and if you drop the ball, it is what it is. But in soccer, you're going to go back and forth the whole time. You don't know when the shots are coming. In other sports, it might be even more quick that you're experiencing these failures and having right. to respond Football. to them. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and so I think the training ground that you mentioned is perfect. And then the idea of accountability and leadership. And the thing I really like want to touch on is when you're young, you're insecure. And so you're blaming, you're making excuses. When you get older, it's no, that's on me. Here's why. And here's how we're not going to let that happen again. How would you say you have seen that directly play out, not just with yourself, but in with the people you work with in your field, where they are either trying to avoid accountability or understanding the importance that it takes within building the team or the project that you're trying to complete? Yeah. Internally in our business, we talk about rapport, right? Like we're trying to build trust with the people that are working with us, the people that are working for us and the people that are investing with us and like to build rapport and trust with somebody, you have to establish a grounds to give merit to what you're doing. So Justin, when I call you and I'm like, Hey, we have this amazing apartment project. If you're looking to invest in, and th these are the five reasons why I love it, but I can't oversell you because everybody knows that in real estate, you're taking risk. There, there's risk associated with every decision that we make. We're trying to mitigate that risk, but I have to address it. So typically what people want to hear from me, if they're going to come and invest with us is what are the pitfalls? How do I get hurt here? Dan, help me understand how this goes wrong. If I was to compare it to sports, we would always do these role plays where it's okay, games at Salt Lake, very tough place to play, little bit of altitude, gonna be cold. If we're up one nothing, this is our fallback. If we get to the second half, it's 70th minutes, tied zero zero, this is our game plan. Well, we do the same thing where, hey, this is what we think is gonna happen. And this is what, if, shit, if, if, if it hits the fan, this is our exit strategy, right? We need to be scrappy here. So we, we're at Salt Lake and we get a red card. The system has to change. The structure of the, how the team is playing has to change. Our business plan, we think it's going to be linear. <laughs> and the reality is it's going to be all up and down all over the place. And we're going to be making these decisions that are fluid by the gut. And you know what? We may make a decision today that we're like, okay, we feel good about it. But we're, we really don't know how this is going to play out for four or five months. So when you go back to like rapport and trust, this is accountability. When I can say, hey guys, I, dude, I got it wrong. That you are entrusting me to make a decision 
on the behalf of the entire group. What's going to be best for this group? I make a decision. I take the responsibility for that decision. And if I get it wrong, I need to be able to tell you, Justin, that, hey, man, I made this mistake. And ideally, what happens is with my honesty to you and me explaining what went into the decision, what happened, what failed, and how we're going to put systems in place for that never to happen again, then maybe we have another we can fight another day. And that's really like sports is about fighting another day. Sometimes you just got to survive and think about COVID. Like we all went through this like really crazy unforeseen circumstantial situation that no one could have imagined. If I told you five years ago that a virus was going to take down the world, we would have thought it was a computer virus. Like we would not have thought it was going to be like a real virus. You know what I mean? And now we live in this space where like you are doing this because you were like, dude, I got to get scrappy here. I got to touch people. Now you're building something very positive. This is where as a entrepreneur, people always ask me like, oh man, what you did was so risky. As like, the safest thing I could have done was bet on myself. That's what I've done my whole life. And that's what sports will give you the confidence to do. In the end, your performance is up to you how much you want to put into it mm -hmm. take responsibility for it and the underlying kind of result of everything is i know plenty of guys and gals that did not achieve well i personally i don't feel like i i achieved what i could have on the field right. i felt like I, I could have achieved more but there is plenty of people that have really meaningful sporting experiences that don't play at a high level because what it's about is relationships, right? Like we're all looking for this sense of community. Yep. And that's why I'm really passionate about what I do now is I get to still lean on these relationships that I love working with these certain people. It's a perfect segue to what I want to go to next, which is the idea of network. The idea of, yeah, we're playing this sport. We're competing. We're having a great time. I love this. It's something I'm passionate about. And then there's this side benefit that is often ignored which is the relationships you're building with your teammates. You've got a 12-year pro career. you got a four-year collegiate career. you got at least a four-year high school career. And you probably played some other sports growing up as well. That, Not very well, but I did. <laughs> it's okay. But those relationships are generally going to have more substance to them than the, the classroom relationship that you might have, simply because you're in the car traveling. You're going places. You're spending time. And that is a non-renewable resource. So how have those relationships and the network that you've built, even with your opponent, served you professionally as you've gone forward and allowed you to actually give back to community based on what just happened organically as an athlete? Yeah, the corny tagline that comes to my mind right now is your network is your net worth, right? And you are who you hang out with. My dad was always like, dude, who are you hanging out with? Be careful, right? These are the decisions we all make on a daily basis. And I've always been attracted to bring people into my life that I feel like I can learn from. And now it's once you get into middle age, you have this great ability to like connect with people a lot older and a lot younger than you. So it's a very fun space to be in. What I try to do now is I try to change people's financial life. That's my goal. Right. My goal today is to have a larger impact on major league soccer as a real estate investor than I ever had as a player on the field. And what goes into that? Well, 
you know, financial responsibility for athletes is pretty hard. You don't foresee the world that you're living in coming to an end. Oftentimes that world comes to an end before you think it's going to happen. You go from making good money to making nothing. And that's a huge shock to your life. And so a lot of what I do on the soccer side today is like a, is financial education and trying to teach people how to make truly passive income. So when you go to work, Justin, you have these investments working for you in the night that you don't see, but you feel every quarter. And I rely on my network every day to build our business because we can't invest in real estate without investment partners. And so that's one piece of the puzzle. Coincidentally, for whatever reason, athletes love real estate. And so there's a lot of brokers that are ex-athletes and you're a football guy. It doesn't matter what sport you are. When you get around people that have worked in team sports, there's some kind of camaraderie, right? Like you, and I go to Milwaukee, I go to St. Louis and I go meet with brokers and say, oh, oh, what'd you play growing up? Oh, cool. Oh, we actually may know the same. And there, this is just finding a common topic to, to talk about. And like now I'm probably the only sport I play now is golf and I'm terrible at it, but it's the same thing. Like I got a group of guys that every Friday morning at sunrise, we go out, we, we knock the ball around and it's competitive and it's a little bit of a release and it, it scratches that competitive itch for me a little bit of just getting out there and being like, okay, five bucks closest to the pen. As stupid as that sounds, that's what drives relationships for in, in my book is like, really getting in and competing with people. And when you think about sports, like sometimes some of my best friends are the guys that I battled the absolute hardest with. My best friend in college was the forward that scored all the goals on me in high school. Yeah. We're from the same area. And this guy just beat me up for four years and we get to college and I'm like, dude, I'm going to hate this guy. I know I'm going to hate him. And then it's two days later, it's oh, arm around, walking around. So that's just a, one of the many examples that I could probably share with you of like building relationships and this is again, peeling the onion. Mm -hmm. I grew up in, in Yorba Linda in Orange County. Mm -hmm. Like the exposure I had to culture and people it, that if I did not play sports, I would not have had this dynamic experience. I got to live in Puerto Rico for two years. I lived in Chile. Mm -hmm. A lot of the guys that I played with were from Latin America, mm -hmm. South America. I got to learn a different language. Mm -hmm. These people taught me something. We were in Chile we went to one of my teammates' house and he literally grew up in a, an a adobe home with dirt floors. Wow. And when we went to visit, they were so proud of what they had and they get, they wanted to give us gifts when we left. And like these moments are, when I think back about my soccer career, I never, I'm not thinking about, oh man, that one time that I made that save or the one game that we won, I never won a championship. So I can't, that's not a good example. But <laughs> I think back of those, like those experiences and they're relationship driven. Yep. It's very, it, a lot of stuff to touch on there, but it, it all goes back to the idea of sports as a vehicle to allow for these things to develop organically and then create these lifelong relationships that you didn't even intend when you started. I want to touch on one more thing before we depart. And you brought it up and, and touched on it briefly, which is the transition when you're done. And what does that look like? And when your identity, especially as a pro, is wrapped up in being a soccer player, not hey, Dan Kennedy, I play soccer, but no, I'm a professional soccer player. What does that look like? I know it's hard. You see the stories, but what advice do you have for people when their career ends? Maybe after middle school, maybe after high school, right. but it's, hey, there's a whole nother life out there that you now have to embrace. 
Yeah. I wouldn't categorize myself as like a diehard pro athlete in the sense that it was my identity, right? Like I had zero fame on a scale of one to a hundred. I, I had zero fame. So it's not like I was walking around Long Beach and people are like, oh, Dan Kennedy, what's going on, man? So I actually preferred that. I'm a pretty private guy. So I, I didn't have this fall off a cliff where I went from this icon to nothing. I was living a very normal life to begin with. The biggest thing is you get so spoiled with what you have as a professional athlete. My, your days, like you, you wake, you highly disciplined, highly focused, but it's a sprint. You're working four hours a day and then you're resting. Part of your job is resting. You're home by one o'clock, five days a week, kick your feet up. I would honestly get home, take a cup of coffee, have a little bit of a nap after a cup of coffee random and then wake up and then work on real estate stuff. That was pretty much my day. The problem is now you, so your career ends, you lose the sense of like purpose. I, I wake up every day as an athlete and I know what I need to do. I wake up every day as a real estate investor and I have to go make things happen. Okay. So I no longer have anybody telling me what to do. So that's a challenge in itself. And it's taken me probably a year and a half to settle in now that I've been retired for four years now. You need to go find something. So whether you finish in junior high school, whenever it is, you need to go find another passion. You need to go pour yourself into something else. And so I see guys retire. I, I had a phone call yesterday with a good friend. He's going to retire. And I, I said, Brian, don't go out there and try to do seven other things because you're only going to be mediocre. You've been on the pursuit of excellence for your entire career. So go find something that interests you and take that same approach. One thing, get highly focused and go pound pavement. And it's going to take a while, but you're going to look up in three years and you're going to be pretty damn happy with what you've accomplished. But the problem is most people don't have the direction and they don't know what they want to do. For me, I retired and I was like, I already know what I want to do. So, okay, it was hard. Tomorrow's going to be easier than today. I know that. We're starting to get over the hump. And the people think when you retire from pro sports, you're going to have all these phone calls. Oh, hey, we Dan, do you want to come work for me? I'll tell you what, the phone doesn't ring. Like you, you may have a couple buddies call you and be like, oh man, you exceeded my expectations. That was a pretty cool career. What are you going to do now? I thought I literally was like, okay, 12-year veteran. NBA, led the Players Association, I'll get a job somewhere. I went on interviews. I didn't have a job. I, I did not have a job opportunity. So I literally had to go make something happen. So this is the complexity of retiring when you're 30 years old. In my case, I was 34. Now for younger folks, I would actually say the younger you are, the bigger advantage you have because you're not so set in your ways. You're still really young. Like when you show up as 34, and I explained what it looked like when I showed business school without these skill sets. And you're in the front office and you're like, okay, how do we use a printer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you almost immediately need an assistant. Yeah. <laughs> you almost immediately, and you don't necessarily warrant that. So that really, for me, we, we have one shot at this whole thing. Yeah. And it's about like passion and yeah. doing something that every day that you wake up, you're motivated to go and do. I think the advice is super important, especially in this time of COVID, because what we saw with a lot of our youth, especially the athletes where that was taken away, was robbed. Them Absolutely robbed. 
Yeah. And yeah. just not having an outlet in the way in which their days were structured, where it's you show up, you go to school, you go to practice, you go to games, you dinner, you repeat, reload, rewash, whatever it is. And all of a sudden that's gone. And the advice you have is, hey, you got to hunker down and figure out what your next passion project is, or you're just going to spin and be lost. And I think that's a yeah, great that's right. way to end this and take it away and tee that up for people. It's not even about, hey, you didn't play sports. All good. Life purpose. What do you care about and how are you investing in that? Because that matters. So yeah. appreciate you being here and sharing your wisdom and uh, everything you've learned along the journey. All right, Justin. Thanks for having me, buddy. Absolutely. Why Sports is brought to you by the Canning Properties Group, the number one real estate team in Pebble Beach and Carmel, California, specializing in ocean and golf front properties for 35 years. If you're looking for a seasonal getaway or interested in moving here full time, head to canningproperties.com backslash sports, and they will dial up a search just for you. Hi, this is Natasha McGill, recreational tennis player at the club at Pasadena and labor and delivery nurse. Ever feeling tired after a long day at work or after tough practice? Try Element. That's L-M-N-T for the energy you're missing in your life. It's sugar-free and filled with electrolytes your body needs for energizing power. Try it risk-free, money-back guarantee with our special offer at drinkelement, that's L-M-N-T, dot com slash Justin Climo. You only pay the shipping. What's there to lose? Power up! This Cypress Grove podcast is proud to be sponsored by Delta Wines and Brick and Mortar, our everyday go-to with sustainability built in. Delta wines are vibrant yet balanced, made to be enjoyed on a special occasion. Brick and Mortar was founded in 2011 and has worked to create the European Wine Drinkers California Wine. The wines are small lot, single vineyard, sourced from Napa, Sonoma County, and the Mendocino Ridge. In addition to tasting good, they also help you feel good with eco-friendly packaging and environmental nonprofit donations from every purchase. Buy online at winesforchange.com. In addition, use the code CONTACTS to support us and get a discount. The presentation is beautiful, the wines are great, and you're supporting saving the earth. What more do you need? Again, that's online at winesforchange.com. Discount code CONTACTS at checkout. If you found this valuable, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and give Y Sports and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support.